Hello, everybody. Welcome to the HR Means Business Podcast. My name is Mervyn Dinnan. I'm an author, analyst, influencer around the world of, of HR talent and work tech trends. And it's an absolute pleasure today to be interviewing Robert Ordiva. Robert, would you like to introduce yourself? Sure. Thank you, Mervyn. And, and thanks for having me join you. Um, so I'm the uh, managing director of OCTANA in Europe. Um, I've been been with OCTANA about eight years, uh, my, but my history is HR. About Twenty, oh gosh, I probably shouldn't work this out. Make me feel too old. Probably somewhere like twenty five years um, HR experience, and now I'm obviously working for a, a business that helps other HR professionals. So um, yeah, that's me. I'm pleased to hear it. Now you. Uh, you've you've been HR head of people people director uh, in three very different types of sectors. Um, you're in technology now. Um, your your earliest days were in retail, very high end, very very public re- retail. Uh, and you've also had one of those dream jobs as being head of HR head of people for a, a Premier League football side. Um, so very different uh, types of organisations, and I'm quite keen to talk to you today about, particularly as we hear so much at the moment around engagement, people aligning with purpose. Uh, this is the way to to you know stop the great resignation, stop quiet quitting, and and get people aligned. But you've obviously worked in very different types of businesses where that's not so easy. So it's your experience I'd like to draw on. So um, how easy? First, I suppose my first question is, how easy did you find it to adapt going from high-end retail to to a professional sports team to to tech? Yeah, I mean, all all three very different businesses. I think the the common thread perhaps through all of them is they were all, uh, if you like, at the the top of their industry, right? Um, And that that obviously carries with it sort of a very similar, similar theme, similar needs in terms of you know, needing to attract the best talent, needing to retain people, needing to, you know, have a highly kind of engaged workforce. So they had some similarities, but clearly as, as industries, really very different, right? I um, I think, I think, I mean, the other thing is even within those industries, right? So even within retail, um, I spent years uh, on the shop floor and that had a very different feel to those years that I spent in the um, warehousing and kind of the the distribution, the more unionized elements. So I've definitely had some some variation um, throughout my career. I think the the common thread through all is probably they all had um, what what I what I took to as really interesting and engaging purposes. Um, mm-hmm. That's probably the 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 why I why I ended uh you know ended up being at each of those or why I ch- sort of chose to stay at each of those so you kind of had as you rightly s- sort of said high-end retail at Harrods and that was you know it was about retail theater rather than selling stuff um yeah. at a Premier League football club you know it was about being custodian of a very historic old London uh, traditional football club and 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 now in technology you know being able to improve the working lives of people around the world so they they all had kind of very engaging uh, purposes uh, if you like but yeah as industries really quite different you know my retail days were pretty corporate uh, fairly fairly old school corporate um, football was wow a roller coaster an adrenaline rush <laughs> um, plenty I can of imagine plenty of madness but good stuff um and and now i find myself in the in the technology world but 
actually in a, in a where the world of work is really different to the way it was before you know it's fast paced we're 95 years old but behave like a startup um so they definitely as industry is very different but but all three had threads of of um very kind of what i would think as as very engaging purposes definitely um i suppose starting with the first one at harrods as you, you called it retail theater which it is a which is it is because people go into harrods for an experience uh, people from all over the world come to London and go to Harrods for different things, to buy things, to get the experience. They have a perception. Um, we know that obviously employees turn, you know, uh, come to work. Sometimes they're not necessarily in their best frame of mind. Sometimes they, they have outside pressures. There's a lot of research being done at the moment elsewhere around kind of people turning up to work when their mental health maybe isn't so good or they have other pressures externally. How how difficult was it to to kind of, you know, get people performing they're not trained actors they're not but 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 here they are working um and yet in some respects it is part theater and part service yeah I, I think it's interesting I mean times have definitely moved right so my experience is is now somewhat dated and um I think back then we didn't you know we weren't talking employee engagement right there was no uh open discussion about uh the employee experience there was a if you like uh, perhaps a, a naive thought that actually if 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 we are such a big brand and so aspirational and it's retail theater and people around the world know us then people will be really grateful to work here and actually what we were um pretty good at were, were weeding out those that were not good enough when i look back one of the things that we probably weren't very good at was calling out those that were um, exceptional performers, right? Those that were making a difference and truly engaging them. So I don't think at the time I was there, at least, I don't think we um, did a particularly strong job at that. Um, I, I know that things have got a lot better as the world of work has, has moved on. I know a number of people still work there and, and it's a very, very kind of positive work environment, but um, it's hard, right? I mean, we used to talk about um, the curtain going up. You were on stage and we've had other companies, you know, Disney talk about cast members instead of um, sort of theme park workers and that feeling that when you walk in you can leave all of your your woes at the door and kind of put on that great smile and people did that right and we were we were good at that and even if we had an office job when we walked across the shop floor we straightened our ties our jackets were on and we were we were create you know we were part of retail theater um, but that takes its toll mm. uh, you know it was an exhausting industry to work in um long hours uh set you know it became seven days a week once sunday trading became the norm um a very very difficult work environment it, in many respects probably toughened me up right taught taught me lots about the real world but um not a work environment that any of us would imagine would be successful now uh, mm -hmm. i think i think you know what employees are or what what success uh, requires is is quite a bit more uh engaging more focus on well-being you know it's just a bit more complex than than perhaps it was back then and i and i was you know i was young grateful to be there i'm sure with a lot of my my counterparts but um it it, it I, i'm not sure it brought out the best in everyone okay um which is interesting and 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 it's kind of i suppose in some respects it has changed although um i'm guessing yeah customer expectations in some respects have changed 
but in others are, are even heightened because it's kind of you know as the the, the global perception uh, accelerates. Uh, so I'm interested, and in, then you you made that move um, from uh, high end retail to uh, being head of HR for a professional football team, soccer team, uh, for those listening in the US, Premier League team, Fulham, who at the time I'm guessing were under same ownership as Harrods. They were, yes, yes. And, and, and you know, honestly, Mervyn, I, I didn't, I didn't have a particularly love, a particular love of football at that time, but um, there was something intriguing about this other business within the group um, that just kind of sparked my interest, and it was, um, if I'm honest, it was a chance to lead an HR function, um, having having been a, a sort of a part of an HR function, um, and that was the draw. Mm. I didn't know a lot about football. <laughs> um, didn't know I was going to fall in love with football. Um, I didn't realize it was going to be as uh, complex, as mad. That the highs were going to be as high and the lows were going to be as low as they were. So it was a bit of a roller coaster for me. But but yes, the the, the connection and the reason that I applied was, um, you know, it was a business that I'd heard lots about because we had shared ownership. I mean, it ran completely separately, but yeah. um, I had some insight into into the workings uh, kind of before I before I put my CV in. So I'm guessing, you know, this, this is, you know, most people, uh, certainly in the UK and Europe, kind of obsessed with football, soccer. Um, yeah. What was it like? You obviously di- didn't necessarily have that obs- obsession beforehand. But ha- how was it different? So, I mean, you know, questions I'd ask you kind of you've got these these you know, you know, very well remunerated players who are put up on pedestals, who are icons of the community you serve. And, and um, I mean, are you responsible for them or, or are they different? You know, I mean, are you dealing through agents and, and what's the kind of size of the backroom operation behind all of this? Yeah. So <clears throat> the size of the club at the time, and, and and obviously it would have moved since, probably grown since. But at that time, um, we'd been in the Premier League for uh, probably something like eight years, um, maybe maybe a little under. We were fairly well established. We had uh, just over 200 permanent employees that were non-playing staff and about a thousand casual workers. So these these were people that engaged to uh, deliver coaching in the community or deliver catering on a match day or safety stewards. So they would engage with us. Uh, you know, for some, it could be a couple of times a week. For others, it might be once or twice a month. Um, but a fairly big pool of, of casual workers, which brought its own challenges in terms of engagement. These weren't people we had day-to-day contact with. Um in terms of the responsibility, uh, so as as people director, I guess I guess the answer is you have accountability for everything. But the reality is that playing staff are, in many respects, much more straightforward. Um, uh, you know, the, the disciplinary processes for for a, uh, a soccer player, for example, are determined by the rules that are agreed with the players' union, right? And they include um, sanctions without any kind of hearing. You know, in many respects, it has a simplicity that that regular kind of employment relationships don't have. Um, uh, you know, the most complicated piece uh, uh, of work to do with players is, is the money. Um, and frankly, that's between the agent and the chief executive. I managed to swerve <laughs> swerve that, uh, that, that responsibility quite nicely. But, but for everyone that is not playing, including the manager and the manager's staff, it is a, a almost normal employment relationship. Um, I say almost because that you know, unlike anywhere else you work, the results 
by which you are measured are immediate, um, frequent, um, emotive, and they appear everywhere. They're in the press. They're in the on the TV. Um, you know, if if we were uh, if we were on a bad run, every one of my friends, colleagues, peers, Twitter followers had an opinion on it. Um, so. Um, yes, in a normal employment relationship, but in a very strange and very public uh, kind of environment. And as I said, huge highs and huge lows. When you walk into the training ground on a Monday morning, the morale of the, the employee base, regardless of how great your benefits are and what your well-being program looks like and all of the rest of it, you can't help but be impacted by the results of the weekend, what the papers are saying, uh, what your peers uh, and friends uh, have to say about it at the pub on the week, you know, all of that stuff. It's um, a complicated environment. But when things are good, there's literally no better place to be. And I suppose one of the interesting things is, is that, that I hadn't really thought about um, is that uh, you will have people working for you in the back room who, who actually support other teams. So you have this this strange there's this strange scenario where you've got very loyal uh, employees who actually want their employer to do badly because they don't, <laughs> they don't, they don't want, they don't want their employer to keep winning every week because it might have an impact on their team. It's kind of, it must be really strange. I'm not sure that's what you get. Uh, There's something that really Mervyn, focuses the mind when uh, the the team that you work for is is actually the one that's going to pay your mortgage, right? That that <laughs> yeah, really focuses right. the mind. So I, I don't I don't ever think we had anyone working for us who wanted us to lose, because the, really the impact of the team winning or losing on all of us was huge, right? From a job security perspective, from a remuneration perspective, from everything, the amount we're able to invest, and on and on. So I don't think that that happens. I think the question is. How can you turn someone who is uh, passive about the team they work for, because it's not their team, it's just their employer, into someone who is passionate about the team that they work for? And actually, on the other side of the scale, you have people who are lifelong fans, and that also brings its challenges. How how detached can they be when they're making decisions? You know, mm-hmm. how they kind of pull themselves away and look at it from a um, from a more holistic uh, perspective. So. You do have all of that, and I think we um, we managed, and we 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 made some some changes. You know, my my kind of journey in terms of understanding the employee experience a bit more and the, and the power of uh, of engagement happened while I was at football, and we um, you know at the start of my time there, we were very much like my retail days. You know, people should be grateful to work here, and we were a fairly harsh kind of uh, working environment, tough uh, but fair but tough. Um, and as we started to pull some of those those levers, we were able to really connect people to a deeper purpose. So you might be an Arsenal fan, for example, but can I connect you to the purpose of being, you know, the custodian of this great community club? Can I connect you to the kids who are coming to their first football match and the uh, the service and experience you give them might determine their connection with the club for generations to come? Those are the things think we were we were we became much better at able to connecting people to purpose um i was actually i was on a panel uh, for another uh, uh, piece of work i was doing with um graham gilmore who's now the chief executive at, at the london stadium but at the time uh, we worked together at, at fulham and uh, 
he's an Arsenal fan and he talks about how proud he was to wear the the kind of the stadium jacket in the winter on his way to work and he'd be stood on the platform at Barnet with it with his with his Fulham crest on um and he said you know although it wasn't his team he felt very proud to wear the crest not because of his connection to the footballing side necessarily but what it meant to be Fulham right what that meant in terms of good values, good community club. We had a reputation for doing the right thing, for encouraging young fans. You know, we were focused on future sustainable growth of our fan base in a way that Arsenal weren't, frankly, right? There were no kids discounts and we were doing kids for a quid because it was important for us to reach out to the community. So he felt proud of that crest in a different way to he feels Mm. proud of his football team. Um, Mm. No one change your football team right people talk about you you can change your spouse you change your house you change your car you never change your football team Um, but when you work for a football club have a second love right and have a commitment and and when when there was a game that really mattered to Fulham when it really mattered and Fulham were playing Arsenal I I know where his heart was because yeah some there's something just a bit deeper about that community that you're a part of that is hard to explain and kind of put your finger on. Mm. So is it, it sounds to me like, uh, you know, we talk about employing uh, or rather aligning employees with, with, with the purpose of the business. But um, I'm, I suppose I'm looking at a different word here. It's not so much aligning with purpose. It's uh, aligning it with the passion of the business. And would you say that's the thread on the, uh, particularly with Harrods as well? Is it, is it kind of, you might not align with the overall purpose, but there's a passion for this business you need? Yeah, I think, uh, you know, I, th- I think you have to align with the purpose. I, th- I suppose the question is whether or not you can identify that purpose, mm. right? And, and when I think about my time, um, let, let's take my retail day. So I think about my time at Harrods. When I was uh, abroad on holiday and someone asked me what I did for work, I felt very proud to tell them that I worked for Harrods. Um, because the connotations that that gave was high levels of service, retail theatre. It was about, you know, more than just a shop. Um, And because I connected with that, I had an accountability. It was my job to ensure that that reputation was justified. It was my job um, when I moved into HR to make sure that others in my team understood that purpose and and, and, um, felt an accountability to... To, to again, quite a historic kind of um, great British institution. So I think I think purpose is, is important. It's when you combine it with belonging. Mm. So you know you have your purpose and you and you you understand your place in that uh, in that organisation and what it means to the purpose, and then you can sense belonging. So I matter. My contributions matter towards that purpose. I understand that I'm part of something bigger than just me that's when it starts to become, I think, really powerful. And of course, at football clubs, that's that's key because, well, at a football club like Fulham, it's absolutely key because there's ups and downs, there's tough times. Mm. And when, pe- when, when our employees felt both that purpose, but they felt belonging, you get a much more resilient workforce in tough times. You get more accountability when things aren't going quite so well and you get people who, who frankly are willing to speak up for your values yeah it's a, it's a fast moving business and it's really important to have people in your workforce to say hang on a minute we're we're custodians what does that mean for the future mm. or we've committed to innovate what does that mean for this decision 
that kind of personal accountability for the values of the club. Um, and, you know, we talk about belonging to a community. A football club has a number of different communities. You've got the community of fans. You have the community, the, the local community. Um, and, and that's that. And that is not to be underestimated. You know, we don't talk about that perhaps enough. You've got the community that your charitable arm serve and the difference you're making to, to uh, people's lives, often very underprivileged. Um, and then you've got the employee community. And of course, the, the key, the, 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 the magic, I guess, is connecting as many of those as you as you possibly can. And I, I just think that's a really powerful cocktail. You know, mm, I, yes. I, I still, I, I've left football for a number of years now. I'm still a season ticket holder. It's still in my heart. I don't think that will ever go. Um, but I have no historic connection to the area of Fulham, right? I've never been uh, privileged enough to live in the area of Fulham. Um, but somehow that connection to what it means is deep within me. Um, and it doesn't matter how many times I change job, they will always be my team. Hmm. Uh, I can't quite put my finger on when that moment happened, but it was to do with purpose and belonging. I knew that yeah. what I was doing made a difference, made a difference to a number of communities. And I was part of that. And that, that was magical. Yeah. That's, uh, I mean, it's interesting because uh, you, you talk obviously with Harrods being retail theatre and, and, you know, a, a, a top class sporting team is, is similarly theatre. Um, and I suppose most, most HR people who hopefully will be listening to this podcast uh, might be working with businesses who don't have that kind of high profile. It's not so obvious for their employees on a day to day, week by week business, you know, how the business is doing. I mean, presumably at high-end retail, they know how it's doing by the numbers of people coming in the shop and a number of people buying things. And with a, a sports team, you can tell, you know, how big are the crowds, how good are the performances, how good are the results. Um, I suppose to kind of wrap us up, because I think it's quite interesting about, about you know, the purpose and belonging, uh, which are words that, that we sometimes use when we talk in HR. But I mean, it, it, a lot of the conversations around engagement um, so this kind of if you know, if, if people it, it's not obvious, I suppose, to employees how well the business is doing. What I mean, what advice would you have? You know, what are your thoughts on how to keep that kind of purpose and belonging where you're not all on this emotional roller coaster almost where all the employees can can see how well or badly, I suppose, their 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 employer is is doing at that time? Yeah, I, I suppose my gut feel, Mervyn, is that we should be connecting people to um how the business is doing right that that level of transparency i think is really important um and i think the days where we you know need to know basis have kind of disappeared i think people are uh want to know how things are going how well they're doing i think it's part of the good psychological contract frankly that um you work hard you work hard towards a goal you should see how those goals are feeding back to the overall financial um well-being of the business or the overall values of the business right i think sometimes we put too much credence on numbers but there's a balance here right there's there's a balance if you looked at um and I'm sorry, I'm perhaps I'm going off on a bit of a tangent now, but if you look at yeah. the football club, we we when we talked performance management of an individual, we were 50% and no more than 50% was their uh, tangible measures, right? So if you were the commercial director, what was the ticketing revenue that you generated? And then the other 50% was your uh, values and behaviours. 
So, for example, one of our values was about being confident custodians and growing. And part of that was about growing future fan base. So if you were a commercial director that, for example, didn't have discounts for kids, senior citizens, uh, some tickets for underprivileged uh, kids in the area, then you might well do your number but you would fail miserably on the values and behaviors piece. And the lower of those two grades became your grade. Mm, and, yeah. I think, and I think that's an important kind of balance to have in, in all business. And, and my view is we should be as transparent with people as, as we can. If we're, um, we're employing good, responsible, trustworthy adults, um, we need to treat them like that. And, and, and you're right. Not, not every business did it. I think in my retail days, we didn't do that. We talked about the, the health of, the department we were in, right? And what yeah. was number, but very rarely did I ever hear anyone talk about margin or profitability. Um, but I think we've, I think we're in a different place now, right? I mean, that was, oh, gosh, I don't know, 18 years ago, something like that, 16 years ago, maybe. I think we're in a different place now where I don't think I would work for an organization where I couldn't see the direct correlation between my work the 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 deeper purpose and the um tangible business outcomes so i i think in short my advice is be upfront with people let them see let them share that accountability um what are you hiding <laughs> that's a good question that's that's a good question um a good question to leave it on uh robert it's been an absolute pleasure to talk to you um, I'm learning things that I didn't actually know or think about uh, in terms of being, uh, I suppose, working in high-end retail and particularly working for a, a, a globally recognized professional sports team, um, which uh, I suppose I am part of your local community. Um, and uh, listen, it, it, it's, it, it's been great to talk. And um, personally, I look forward to seeing you again soon. And um, thank you for your time. Thank you, Merlin. It's been great to be with you.